the Power Pack Morning Zoo. Are you kidding me? Fire! It's the greatest radio show ever. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. He's a very successful writer. Vince Murata. Let's cut the crap, Mr. Murata. Sarah Cazell. She's got a job working with a bunch of wackos. And Jerry Carlin. you funny, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Good morning, happy Monday, Valley sports fans, and off we go. The weekly slog always begins on a, well, it doesn't always begin on a Monday. Yeah. It's Days just, like today that make you realize those three-day weekends, they're uh, they're pretty special. Yeah, it hits different when you come back for your first full week after a three-day weekend. Uh-huh. And after like a run of uh-huh. three-day weekends. Yes, I totally agree with you. Now we don't have a day off until like Memorial Day. Oh. <laughs> Do you guys Easter. ever well, read? Well, I actually, that, see, that's Sunday. not true. We don't work me. on Sunday. Now, you oh, know this. I, I'm taking a little chunk of time off at the end of March. <sighs> I'm going on a Viking River cruise of Europe. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah. Me, yes. With Joe me Montana? And the, me and the white. <laughs> we'll read no, them no, no, read no, no. no, these are, the, uh, we've got good friends, a couple of couples. That's kind of redundant, but a couple of couples. And us. We decided that, you know what, all we do is we sit around and we talk about the stuff we used to do. <laughs> the cool stuff. We used to do. Let's do something new. So we're not always talking about the stuff we did. That's and so, a, that, so we got together and put together this little Viking River cruise. That's a cool attitude. It starts attitude. in Amsterdam. That, that's a great <laughs> You'll attitude. You'll never see me again. That's also <laughs> the plot of like several like uh, Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine movies where they escape yes. their old folks' home in last, <laughs> last Vegas. They do is some, really? Yeah. Did you really have to go there, Ferret? No, the really. Comes that, out. But that is, that is a great attitude to have, though. I, I like that thought about like instead of just always reminiscing and talking about the way things used to be, let's create new memories. And, and and every one of us, because we're of the parent generation where we have spoiled our kids rotten because none of us ever got anything as kids. Vinny, I have talked about this. Mm-hmm. Every one of us, each of the three couples going on this trip have gotten the same feedback from our own children. Wait a minute. You can't do that without us. You can't go without me. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. Since you went down that road. The rude awakening coming to your kids when when you and your wife just take vacations on their own is going to be something oh. something palpable. Yes, no, you're right. No, listen, it's it's a it's a monster of my own making. Your kids have seen the entire world. They have, yeah, spoiled, rotten. Yeah, that's why I didn't take my kids anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> have some perspective, right. young that's man. That's fantastic. Learn today. Yeah, I should have taken parenting lessons from you, Vinny. No, I probably should have been somewhere in the middle. <laughs> All right, everybody have a good weekend. Yes, no, maybe so. Great. Yeah, two thumbs up. It's fantastic. All right, good. It was yeah. uh, it was good. Too busy for me. Too busy for my taste. I hear that. But you know that happens. Start the show, Jarrett. The splash, splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Animal. Animal coming. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Suns came home after an off-kilter Texas two-step with losses in Dallas and Houston. They knocked off the Lakers 123-113 at Footprint Center. Phoenix came out, posted a season-high 45 points in the first quarter, led by 17 after one. 
Lakers would get as close as two points three times in the third quarter, but the Suns never relinquished the lead. Every Suns starter scored at least 18 points, led by Grayson Allen's 24. Kevin Durant had 22. Devin Booker, 21. Royce O'Neal, 20. Yusuf Nurkic, 18 points, 22 rebounds, and 7 assists. Suns off until Thursday night when the Houston Rockets come to town yeah. for the first of back-to-back games. To say the they needed that would be an understatement. Yeah, we were. Uh, I was having some discussions before, and it's like, yeah, again, we, we can have this semantic discussion about must-win and when it applies. That was about as close to a must-win as as possible sure for the Suns like in it. late February. And, and it sure sounded like there was an awful lot of Laker fans in the building yesterday. Mercy. Before the game started, I was like, wow, it's not that bad. And then like the first hoop went in, and I was like, you got to be kidding you me. you got to be kidding me. Where did yeah. these cockroaches come from? <laughs> you can't kill them. You can't. And then I had a harrowing thought about it, too. It's like all those Lakers LeBron jerseys in three years will just be replaced by Lakers Giannis jerseys. It is a never-ending cycle of middle Facts. fingers to the rest of the Facts. league. Yeah, you're not, yeah, you are absolutely 100% right. And that's what makes the Laker fan arrogance so aggravating to me. Yeah. You do nothing to deserve it. Nope. Yesterday in the NBA, Milwaukee rolled past Philadelphia 119-98. Indiana Cruz past Dallas 133-111. to 111. Denver, no problem with the Warriors. 119 to 103, Nikola Jokic, 32 points, 16 rebounds, 16 assists. Kind of a good stat line. Sacramento crushed the Clippers, 123 to 107, and Chicago surprised New Orleans, 114 to 106. So after Sunday's action, Suns back in the sixth spot, just percentage points behind Sacramento, which is fifth. Uh, the league suspended a total of five players as a result of Friday night's altercation between the Miami Heat and New Orleans Pelicans. Miami's Jimmy Butler and New Orleans' Najee Marshall were each suspended a game for instigating and engaging in an on-court altercation. Pelicans guard Jose Alvarado and Heat center Thomas Bryant got three game bans for leaving the bench during the altercation. And Nikola Jovic got one game for leaving the bench. How about that? You can instigate and engage in an altercation and get one game, but if you come off the bench to engage in something that somebody else started, you get three games. <laughs> who would have ever? Yeah, who would have ever thought that would be something? somewhere? David Stern is smiling. <laughs> uh, Coyotes losing streak hits twelve straight. Oh, what a they weekend fell four three on the road in overtime against the Winnipeg Jets. Another slow start. They're down three one after the first. They fought back on a Matias Michelli goal in the second. Nick Schmaltz. Tied it up with his second goal of the game early in the third. Regulation would end at 3-3. Kyle Connor ended the extra period quickly, 33 seconds in to be exact, with his second goal of the game. That came on a three-and-one, a three-on-one. The Coyotes had a scoring chance on the other end. Sean Dersey and Schmaltz collided in the Winnipeg end. They took both of them out, and it was a three-on-one break, basically. The 12-game winless streak is now the second long longest in franchise history since moving to Arizona in 1996. The 2003-2004 Coyotes had a string of 15 consecutive games without a win, and making matters worse, Clayton Keller left the game in the second period with an upper body injury. And if that weren't enough, they had to let go of a player for a ridiculously stupid Instagram post. Yes. Let that be a lesson to you, kids. <laughs> if you're doing illegal drugs, don't film it and put it on social media. There's some things you just don't need to put on the social media. <laughs> what By an the idiot. Way, uh, the longest winless streak in franchise history is safe for a really long time. Do you know what that is? The 1980-81 Winnipeg Jets went 30 straight games without a win. <laughs> 
30. Wow. <laughs> uh, D-backs got a 5-0 Cactus League win over the White Sox on Sunday. The D-backs pitchers combined to give up just two hits to Chicago. One in the eighth and one in the ninth. Right-hander Slade Zaccone started, struck out four over two innings of work. D-backs in Mesa to face the Oakland A's at Hohokam. Today at 105. Real quick on that Jets stat. That was back when they used to have ties. Yes. So they weren't all losses. These are all losses. It was in this a winless streak. In this well, winless streak. They, okay. Well, in this, in this yeah. 12-game streak, they've picked up two points yes. with overtime losses. Yeah. Uh, the NFL announced Friday that the salary cap will be a record $255.4 million per team, a $30.6 million jump from last year. According to OverTheCap.com, the Cardinals have uh, currently just over $51 million in space, the eighth most in the league as they enter year two with GM Monty Austin Fort and head coach Jonathan Gannon at the helm. Well, it's getting real. Uh, presumed number one overall pick, Caleb Williams, the quarterback out of USC, will not work out at the upcoming NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis, according to reports from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network over the weekend. Rappaport says Williams will wait to throw for scouts until his pro day at USC. Combine gets underway this week. Workouts start uh, Thursday, and then quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs will hit the field on Saturday. And in college football, reports out of L.A. say that uh, former Kansas City Chiefs and Washington Commanders offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is joining head coach Deshaun Foster's staff at UCLA as the offensive coordinator for the Bruins. Bieniemy spent three years on UCLA's staff as the running back coach and recording recruiting coordinator from 2003 to 2005. Wow. Very, very odd, isn't it, that that's where, at a time when everybody is fleeing college football? Yeah, leading the week uh, the week up to the Super Bowl, I would have, if I was a gambling man, I would have put a couple of dollars on Eric Bieniemy ending up back in the Chiefs in some capacity. I totally agree. And this even, might if, be- even if it was some, like, honorary role, like associate coach. Yeah. Some, yeah. This this might be the move also that signifies he will never be a head coach. Yes. I think you're right. Maybe. I think you're right. There you go. There is your splash for Monday, February 26th. Suns bounce back, get a win over LeBron and the Lakers. We'll dive into it here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Luke, it's been three games for the Phoenix Suns since the All-Star break. So do you feel better or worse about their chances now? We get going at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Allen to Nurkic. Left wing, it's O'Neal. A wide open three. Yes, sir. Royce O'Neal puts the Suns up 13 and potentially drives a dagger into LeBron and the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, we just uh, we locked in on the fourth quarter. We had some coverages that were, uh, you know, that they were beating us on. Uh, you know, there were certain actions that they were beating us on. So we made some adjustments to those coverages, you know, to, to get them under control. And you know, we know that we have to play with pace uh, offensively in the fourth quarter and keep our turnovers low. You know, and uh, I don't know exactly how many turnovers we had in the fourth, but it wasn't many. And um, we had a strong fourth. Frank Vogel. On the uh, fourth quarter performance for the Suns, which included that Royce O'Neal three, as called by John Bloom on the Suns radio network, 123-113 win for the Suns on national TV over the Los Angeles Lakers, which on the heels of the first two games since coming back from the All-Star game, Suns needed that win. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, um, you know, this is not one that you can cut and paste and just duplicate it time and time again because mm-hmm. this was uh, unreal balance from this team. 
But this was a big win. Make no mistake about yeah. it. They needed this win, and they got it. They did. And 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 what was good about it is they played with an intensity. They don't always play with mm-hmm. a seriousness and an urgency. They don't always exhibit. They scored, what, 45 points in the first quarter? Yeah. So you know they were on it from the very beginning. Most in any quarter all year. Okay, yeah. yeah. And and I think, you know, this is... This is uh, I was in the building for the Grayson Allen Miami Heat demolition, and this was like Grayson Allen's uh, another one of his Hallmark games. And, and, and there was the battle. And even though I said that about Grayson Allen, Yusuf Nurkic was the star of the game, in my opinion. Yusuf Nurkic, I think, set the tone. He was incredibly active early. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, 22 rebounds in the game. And, you know, early on in the season, the Anthony Davis matchup did not go well Mm -hmm. for, for Yusuf Nurkic. And Davis got his footing as the game went on. He was... He looked in, uninterested in playing basketball in the first half to me. He was really good in the second half. Yeah. Uh, but it might have been too late at that point. But I thought, I thought, I agree with you. Nurkic was great. And that was coming off of an ankle injury. Yeah, listen, the, and, and there, were any, there, were, there were any number of moments in that game as the game progressed that looked like, uh, uh, they were uh-oh moments. That if you didn't get a rebound, if you're Yusuf Nurkic, or you didn't make a clutch three if you're a Grayson Allen, looked like there was a window for the Lakers to maybe climb back in this thing. But they were clutch. So, yeah. Uh, it wasn't the cleanest of games. The turnovers were still an issue. But but if you were going to check off the box of urgency, clutch time performance, shot making, yeah, this one was uh, this is pretty good. Yeah, after the game on ESPN, Kevin Durant, who led the Suns with uh, 22 points, was asked what impressed him most about the win. There's a theme here, by the oh, way. Our leadership. I think our leadership won this game. Struggles was first of the game, but everybody was talking. Coaches leading us, players were leading us, and that just helped the ball go into the rim and helped us on defense. And KD, what was the difference in the fourth quarter? Like I said, just our leadership, man. We came through and everybody was talking on the same page. We made big shot after big shot, and we got stopped. So credit to leadership of the coaches and the players. I think he said leadership six times in a three-question interview, and then he talked about it at the press conference, too. Um, uh, it, it, this, this guy continues to fascinate me. because, and, and I say that because the the thing that he had with fans in Dallas, I think we all looked at that and thought, okay, that's 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 kind of KD in a nutshell. Um, questions a stupid fan, why are you acting the way you're acting, but then comes back and prevents them from getting kicked out. So shows is sort of, but yet some people thought, oh, how thin-skinned, why are you even paying attention, right? People might say the same thing about his reactions to guys like Charles Barkley. Okay, you, you don't pay attention do it. You don't give him credit. Uh, he, he famously said, if you're not in the gym with me, I don't give your opinion any th- second thought. And yet that's his post-game deal yeah, but to kind of troll on Charles Barkley. And I have no issue with it. No, but it's, I, I he's fascinating. Either. But for the people that think, and look, has Kevin Durant showed some skin, uh, thin-skinned behavior <laughs> in the past? Think, oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. But in that case, with the fans in Dallas, for those fans who were just piling on and saying that was thin-skinned, go ahead and work. Uh, walk into your workplace, and if somebody calls you what that person called Kevin Durant, you're really not you going to like say You sound like a PGA anything? Tour golfer now. You sound like you're a golfer getting off the course at the WM Phoenix Open. That's what you sound like to me now. People need to be reintroduced well, to limits. Yeah, listen, yes. that, this is why I love what he did. Exactly that. 
Sarah. People need to, to, to kind of be reintroduced to the idea that, hey, you know what? You're going to talk like that. I'm going to hit you in your face. <laughs> right? Uh, F around. Find the, out. Yeah, oh, right. Are you, you're talking about the fans, right? Because I think the female fan who said that word had already reached her legal limit of <laughs> the way she was slurring her yeah. word. Oh, come on. Okay, I host a podcast about oh, and, sports. And here's the other thing, too. People think that Kevin Durant was disgusted when he heard that that dude uh, hosted a podcast. I think I think that isn't it. I think at that moment, Kevin Durant said, I'm ejecting myself because this guy's going to use this. He's going to use this interaction. You're probably right. Uh, like, okay, oh, podcast? I'm out of here. He gave yeah. one of these. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, Whatever. The uh-huh. Too bad that guy was going to double his listenership to six people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, more on the uh, Suns' mm-hmm. performance, and that was um, their defensive performance. Got these kudos from Frank Vogel. Oh, yeah. We were flying around. I mean, flying around and uh, putting bodies in front of drivers at the rim. These guys had uh, their second league of points in the paint, I think, where they had 52 for the game. And, um, and he shot the ball well from three. So the Lakers played really well offensively. Um, but we did enough. You know, we like I said, we flied around. We, we tried to put uh, a wall in front of the rim. And, and look, top of the scouting report, was absorbed contact, show your hands. We've got to earn no calls. The team gets to the line a lot, and our guys did a, a great job of, uh, of, of verticality without fouling. Yeah, verticality without fouling. Lakers do mm-hmm. get to the line a lot. They were counting on getting to the line a lot. They didn't get to the line a lot. Shot zero free throws in the second half of that game. Don't think that went unnoticed by one LeBron James. Part of that's who we are, so, but a lot of people just a lot of coaches, a lot of teams, and like that's all the Lakers do is get to the free throw line. There's like this narrative out there. That's all we do is get to the free throw line. I mean, we have attackers. That's what we do. You know, we, we have attackers. Yeah, we shoot the ball from the, from the perimeter, but we're not shooting 40, 50 threes a game. I mean, we're not that team. We don't have the luxury of being that team. So you know, we're going to the, you know, to the paint. That's what we're really good at. So you know, to have eight free throw attempts is definitely not us. I, I know definitely I got hit a couple times. Yeah, it was, uh, and the, the, the Darvin Ham talked about the foul differential as well. The foul differential wasn't that big. It was 14 <laughs> fouls for the Lakers, 12 for the Suns. It is, it is odd that you don't get a free throw for a whole half of basketball, but. I guess those things mm-hmm. are those cyclical. I mean, we've heard the Suns complain about that yeah. issue. Yeah. I think every team at some point during right. the season complains right. about that issue. Yep. Well, I saw I saw a stat going into the weekend where I, di- I didn't expect to see this. The Lakers are number one in free throws by a long shot mm-hmm. in the NBA. Suns were number two free throw shot. So it's not like they don't get to the And mostly it's KD, but still. Yeah, overall a, uh, a very sturdy yeah. win for the mm-hmm. Suns, uh, and they needed it because I think they missed opportunities in the first two games against Dallas and Houston with this really difficult schedule that everybody's talking about, and it's only getting more difficult. When you have those teams that you're even with or above in the standings, mm-hmm. you need to beat those teams. Yeah, And we're not going to get into it now because we're up against a, a, a break, but... Uh, one of the things that made this performance yesterday and this result so necessary for the Suns was what happened Friday night in Houston was unacceptable <laughs> on a number of fronts. <laughs> they had every opportunity to bury a team that didn't look interested in playing basketball early in that game in mm-hmm. Houston, and they just kind of, you know, what, what does Mark Jones say? 
They played with their food. And the food came up and ate them uh, at, the, at the end of the yeah. game. That was, a, that was a really discouraging performance in Houston. Which is why yesterday's game felt so important. Yes, it that, was coming out of that effort on Friday where you're like, again, it, on this roller coaster that we're all on with this basketball team, most of us went to bed Friday night not really feeling good about the Suns championship uh, aspirations this year. No, I said it was, uh, what was my Sunsometer uh, number was 19 going into the Rockets game. Oh, what was it, it after? Was, it was single digits. Oh boy, after. eight. Might be back to 19 now. Okay. All right. <laughs> Something to build on. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, coming up next, we got our first glimpses of the Arizona Diamondbacks this spring. Things looking pretty good so far for the defending National League champions. We'll get into that and more straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Monday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. <laughs> those channels are when they're finalized and all the distribution negotiations are buttoned up by MLB, we'll be able to do that again and say, hey, if you're on DirecTV, you can watch here. If you're on Cox, you can watch here. If you're Comcast in Tucson, you can watch here. Cable One, here's where you can see it. So that, that's coming. But this is just, the announcement yesterday was really just about streaming. And, and I did receive, rightly so, I received some calls and, and emails from fans saying, wait, does that mean I can't watch on TV? I just have to I have to pay for this, subscribe and stream? No, not at all. You know, okay. that's for those that want to stream. That was Derek Hall, President and CEO of the Diamondbacks, appearing with Wolf and Luke on Friday. Derek was with us on Thursday uh, and hinted, hey, a TV street, a, a TV uh, deal should be announced very shortly. Of course, the Diamondbacks still looking for a permanent solution after uh, the dissolving of uh, Diamond Sports, Valley Sports, mm-hmm. Arizona last year. So after we talked to Derek Thursday, hours later, the announcement came out that focused on streaming. And there was no mention of any linear television channels in the Diamondbacks press release. It caused a lot of concern. We talked about it on Friday. Um, You know, the Diamondbacks social media accounts had to come out and say that will be announced later. But that was Derek Paul clearing things up the next day. Right. And you heard him say he got hit with some questions, rightfully so. Uh, because it was an unclear message from the Diamondbacks. So that's that's reassuring for fans who want to watch this team because the interest, I'm not going to say it's at an all-time high, Vic, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but it's at a high point right now for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, and listen, they want to watch this team yeah, play. And, and, and I think I, I saw this figure over the weekend that the deal that they had previously was, what, $61 million that they are no longer getting because mm-hmm. of Fox Sports. At, at the same time, they're actually increased their payroll rather dramatically so at a time when there's unprecedented interest in this baseball team so yeah it's not the greatest of situations because i i think in a perfect world you might be people might be more amenable given the situations to look at that streaming option go okay we understand 99 bucks not a ton not a huge commitment for a season full of baseball but again we're all used to watching sports for free Mm -hmm. and and you you can't ask people to suddenly pay for baseball when they've been given baseball for free their entire lives. And so that's especially the aging demographic. The issue is, though, as you and I have talked about many, many, many times, if nobody, say if we all had reasonable cable provider bills or television provider platform, whatever it is you use to get your television and your shows and your entertainment. If we had reasonable bills, I think this would hit differently. But because every last one of us is about tapped out in terms of what we're willing to spend, adding another thing is just, it's a, it's a non-starter for a lot of people. I know it's that way for me. I know in my head, it doesn't, it wouldn't matter what, what streaming platform came out right now. I'd go, no. 
no, I'm not spending another nickel. And I think yeah. a lot of people are in that boat. I'm with you. It's like when you go uh, and you pay like $85 for a really good steak and they want to charge you extra for salt and pepper. That doesn't happen. Go to a different steakhouse at that point, bro. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, that steak shouldn't need salt and pepper. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, but you're right. Yeah, what you're right is exactly what you're saying. I get your, I get the, the, well, the, the This analogy. is what it's like to give a food analogy. Wow. It's the master with, of the food analogy. What's the best meal you had all weekend, Jared? Don't answer that. <laughs> oh, I look at that. Look at the light bulb went on in his head. He's like, oh, yes, there was this one. Wasn't the, no, last weekend. I, I went to a really good Italian place that was so delicious. But um, it's like when you go to a Mexican restaurant and they don't give you complimentary chips and salsa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've you're had it so before, you're, you're mad. Yeah. Almost every place you ever go to, mm-hmm. especially around here, they have that. So when you go to a place and you have to pay for it, you're right. It, it's you're right on the almost money. Almost at a principle, you don't want to do it. You're right on the money. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good analogy. Your analogy was way better than thank, mine, Jerry. Well, I, you know. I, I was a fool. Yeah, I, fool. Yeah, I was uh, a fool to lay in that right. territory. <laughs> we all have our expertise. This is his sandbox, <laughs> right? I'm sorry. Here, you know, have your right. sand and your shovel it's back, right. Jared. Go, I Jared. apologize for infringing. <laughs> I'm going to shut up. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, so so I, I really hope there's a seamless thing, but it's like you know, not everybody's mad Ishpia, where these, these numbers, these costs, these expenses, these lost revenues, they mean nothing. It is true. They're just numbers. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, So that's good news on the Diamondbacks. The other, uh, you know, there's some other storylines early in the spring. Great pitching performance yesterday. How much can you read into it? Not much, but um, for a spring training game to go into no-hitter territory, going into the eighth inning, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty rare. Yeah, they're off to a decent start like you, uh, but you know that old baseball saying, Vinny, the pitchers are always ahead of the hitters this Uh, time of year. That's true. Right? So, uh, but but again, I think this is going to be a good baseball team. I I, I think the uh, uh, the biggest question, and I think Alex Weiner wrote about this over the weekend. It's a good piece. They've got a real issue in terms of surplus of outfielders. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if Alec Thomas is really morphing into a day day by day, every day kind of guy, where where are the starts going to come for some of these guys? Mm-hmm. That's going to be an issue. At least there's a DH. That is true. Because that solves a little bit of it that we didn't have a few years ago. Yeah. um, I had asked, because the the surplus of outfielders, yes. Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Randall Gritchick, Gritchick, who's going to be a a fourth guy. Mm -hmm. They also got Peterson. And you have to lump those outfielders and DHs together. Yeah. So now you're at five. Mm-hmm. I had asked Tori Lovello last week when he met with us on uh, on Newsmakers Week, what does this mean for, for Jake McCarthy and yeah, his him role too, going see? forward? McCarthy's yeah. kind of the forgotten guy because he got hurt during the playoff run and wasn't around for most of the postseason. Here was Tori Lovello talking about his expectations for Jake McCarthy. Well, that will still be defined. And, yeah, nothing's written in stone. And I know that it might it might seem like there's a target on somebody's back right now because of, of the, the addition of Grechik. But I don't think that that means anything for anybody at this point in time. Jake is going to get an opportunity to go out there and, and, and barrel up some baseballs and play the game at a high level, which we've seen before. And Jake is a good player. Jake is a really, really good baseball player player and when when things are clicking for him he can carry a huge workload for us not too long ago uh probably from the second half of uh 22 until the end of the season um 
he was our number three hitter. We got to mm-hmm. remember that. And last year he had a good year, uh, but it, he didn't take take the the steps that we thought he would and keep progressing. And that's his challenge. That's what we want to see from him. And he's accepted that challenge. And he's a very heady player, very smart player, and cares about the right things. And he's an easy bet to go out there and improve and show us what he could do. Yeah, what Tori Lavello said about McCarthy, I think, is interesting because mm-hmm. people do forget that. Twenty twenty two, Jake McCarthy finished fourth in the National League Rookie of the Year vote. Wow. I mean, wow. He, that second half of the season, he was one of their better players in the second half. Uh-huh. So, um, he, it, so you don't want to just give up on no, him. No, and I right. think this is one of those situations that you can say it will lead to this, but it's not guaranteed. This numbers crunch usually leads to guys really, really trying to step up and outperform one mm-hmm. another because there's only so many roster spots. That could be a great thing for Jake McCarthy this spring. Yeah, and and if you know anything about Torrey Lavello, he's got a certain loyalty to him that he's you yes. know he's not going to give up on a guy. It's going to be interesting, man. It, it really will be. And in, in the next couple of weeks, I think you're going to see you're going to see baseball players hitters round into form a little bit. The pitching staff of the D-backs, like you said, you couldn't ask for more than the start to Cactus League mm-hmm. from from what everyone from Slade Sacconi all the way on down. Yeah, so, they're uh, they're kind of slow rolling Merrill yeah. Kelly into the spring, oh, yeah. not taxing him yeah. too much. Which I think uh, you know right now appears to be a very wise move after Say, yeah. after what he went through mm-hmm. last year. So indeed, yeah, uh, it's all positive from the Arizona Diamondbacks, except for those pants. Are they doing? Have they done yeah, anything about those pants, Has Jared? Been, I don't know. Has there been any reaction? I mean, I know there was all the social media reaction to the the first day. Uh huh. There have been some teams that have resorted to wearing last year's pants. <gasps> The horror. Well, <laughs> otherwise, as Jared said on Friday, it's going to be a huge year for the Twins. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pass on my uh, joke again. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> two and L count to start is what you're trying to no, say. Oh boy. <laughs> it's not the way I would have turned it well, in the I'm joke, so, but know, yeah, same, same kind of thing. Uh, coming up next, the court storming issue has popped up once again in college basketball. Oh and we will tackle it. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Wolf. The NFL Combine gets underway today. So how much will the performances in Indy shake up the top of the draft? We get going at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. To go duped down by four. On the inbounds, it's picked. And the party is on. And ready to go duped down by four. On the inbounds, it's picked. And the party is on. And with the same. Filipowski is being helped off by members of the Duke staff, and you saw the immediate bear hug surrounding him as this court storming is in full effect with Filipowski hobbled. Wow. That should not happen. That right there is why court storming should not happen. It has become a hot-button issue over the last few years. Oh, yes, it has. That's how it sounded on ESPN over the weekend. Wake Forest pulls the upset on Duke. And it was, I mean, as as court stormings go, it was impressive. That floor was covered with Wake Forest fans in a couple of seconds. There's some court storming situations that you look and you go, oh, how cute. And there's some that do look dangerous. That one looked dangerous. That one looked dangerous. And you heard in real time the cameras caught Kyle Filipowski, one of Duke's top players, uh, getting helped off the court by his coach, John Shire, by Mm -hmm. several teammates. 
This is where the story gets interesting. Kyle Filipowski went on social media afterwards, said this has got to stop. John Shire said they need to outlaw court storming. Steve Forbes, the head coach of Wake Forest, said this. But this was Kyle Filipowski um, after the game talking about what he felt happened. Uh, He felt like he was a target in all of this. I felt... A bunch of hits on my body. I, you know, I just this one was the worst of them. It's just really ridiculous of, of how that situation's handled. Did you feel like any of it was was on purpose or was it incidental? I mean, if, punch, I've already heard that there's some videos of getting punched in the back, and so I absolutely feel like it was personal, intentional for sure. You know, like I said, there's there's, there's no reason where they see a big guy like me trying to work my way up the court and they, they can't just work around me. You know. There's no excuse for that. A lot of the replays I saw looked like Kyle Filipowski went out of his way to trip. So, and by the way, he did. There's no, yeah, there's I no but about it. I didn't see what happened to the fan, but it looked like it was going to be a nasty spill mm-hmm. because that fan was moving pretty quick. And I got turned around as, as I, I, I believe yeah. it was a male, as he was falling to the floor. And then. The next fan that came up to Filipowski, he kind of elbowed, which, look, I get it. It's a situation where you're trying to protect yourself. The first the, the, the first instance, though, Filipowski definitely tripped that fan. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. No, and that was what was intentional. Yes. So, so when he's talking about intentionality, A, I find it kind of laughable that in that in that 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 mass of humanity racing down to the court that that there's people with agendas in you never know i'm sure i'm sure there's bad actors in every crowd and every crowd i'm sure with 30 seconds left hey let's storm the court yeah i'm gonna take out so yeah but i i'm sure that i'm not naive enough to think that that doesn't happen but but the fact that there was intentionality on his behalf he lit his first action was to trip somebody now maybe it's self-defense maybe in that instance you know the fight or flight mechanism kicks in and you just do what you do to protect yourself but still i i don't that's on film you you can't argue that no absolutely not here was duke coach john shire i'm more concerned about the the well-being of our guys you know flip sprains his ankle when are we going to ban court storm like when are we going to ban that like how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face and it's a dangerous thing. You look around the country and Caitlin Clark, something happens. And now Flip, I don't know what his status is going to be. He sprains his ankle. And it's one thing, like when I played, at least it was 10 seconds in the court. You know, you would storm the court. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off and they're they're running on the floor. And this has happened to us a bunch this year. It's part of it. We need to be better. We need to learn from this. That needs to stop. I can't sit here and say that John Shire is wrong. That court storming is, it's always been part of the game. And yeah, the, the cries for getting rid of court storming have, have been certainly louder in recent years. And it makes sense. Every sport um, is looking for ways for it to be safer. We, we're seeing it in football. Uh, they don't deal with this the same way in football and in such a you know compacted space yeah. like a basketball court. But how do you do it? Players also know you, you storm the court field in football, you might get your backside handed to you. 
That's true. By dudes in helmets and shoulder pads. That is There's so much more space on a football field. Mm -hmm. Seth Greenberg from ESPN also pinned the blame very squarely on one group. Wake Forest administration dropped the ball. You have to have a plan in place. If you're playing this game and you think you, you, you're expecting to win, you've got to hire extra security. You've got to have a plan in place to make sure these players get off the court safely. Whether it's create a blockade with your security so the students on both ends can't get on the court, but you've got to have something in place. Wake Forest and their administration, shame on you, because you should have had something in place to make sure, most important thing, the security of the visiting team. End of story. Yeah, so how how many security does that take? It's got to be a wall around the court? Yeah. I mean, again, and so are you going to pay that much money for overtime for security people on the odds that you're going to upset a team like Duke? Yeah, at the end of the day, you're not making that decision. Not at a time when schools are already yeah. scrambling for money and this. So that that's not it either. So you have to, I think it's, it's pretty clear. I think you either have to kind of institutionally, as a sport, just ban the whole thing or not. Because for years, it's always been like the great symbol of amateur sports and the impact it can have on a student body. It's also one of those things, though, that like each fan base should police themselves based on the size of the upset. Yeah, based on the I was just going to say the same. Also, thing. based on the history of the school. Mm-hmm. Wake like Forest if you're, is if a you're, pretty good basketball right. school. It, within conference. Tim you, Duncan. I would say within Chris conference, <laughs> if you're a major conference within... Randolph Children! <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Jared. Go ahead. You should never... I, I think you shouldn't storm a court if you're within conference, if you're in a major conference. Because what, what are you saying then, that you're that much of a lesser team within your own conference? Yes. I, it, it, it's, a, it's a great point. Yeah. And uh, here's what needs to happen. Every game in college basketball... There's a committee that determines whether or not an upset is court <laughs> yes. storm worthy. A storm index. And you storm wait, index. And you wait yes. for like the buzzer to go off on the the big screen after the game. Yeah. Do you have the green light? And it's also the red like light. okay, if it's the number one team you upset, maybe. But Duke was number eight. What do they have? Like eight losses now already yeah, this season. Duke is. It, it's not. Like, it wasn't like beating the Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner, Grand Hill Duke team. Let's right. be honest. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That, that 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 to me is kind of the absurdity of it. But again, it, it's it's part of the magic of college sports. Maybe yeah, like can have like yeah, do like the WM Phoenix Open does, like the race to sixteen. You keep everybody okay. All right, hold, stay back, hold back, hold hold on, hold on, wait, wait. <laughs> It's not 6 a.m. yet. Hold on. It's like when you got a dog and you put a treat on the floor and you're like, huh? Yep. Stay. That's exactly what it is. Okay, now. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, the whole thing was a little bit, yeah. But this is now two incidents when we've seen two basketball players appear to be really hurt bad. Caitlin Clark looked like she was hit by a truck. When it happened to her. I, I thought she could have been uh, called for a flopping technical. A little I bit. A <laughs> little bit. I agree. A <laughs> little bit. She's trying to draw the foul. A little bit. Yeah. I don't think Philip Powski was flopping, but he could have been called for the 
The intentional trip. He kind of. Yes. I think. I think if you were a Duke fan, but, you'd give him a Grayson Allen trophy for that. I was going to say the but memorial also, Grayson Allen. Fantastic, he, right? On the other hand, though, what is Filipowski supposed to do? Just stand there because no, that, he's going to get no, fucked. See, that's the thing. So even though it looks bad on film, at that situation, it's survival. What you, are your you, options? What are your options? You know, You're I doing always, something. I always think of the New York Yankees teams of the late seventies. Do you remember Chris Chambliss hitting the home run against Kansas City? And everybody stormed the field mm-hmm. at Yankee Stadium. Chris mm-hmm. Chambliss had to run the bases. He's bowling people over. He's like elbowing and shouldering fans, just putting them down on the ground because he had to get the home plate. I was uh, I was involved in this once um, at the Orange Bowl in Florida. This was the Miami UCLA game. This was Edron James, yep. and and they beat Against, UCLA. And was UCLA Cade was McNown? that was Cade McNown. So UCLA was the highest ranked team. So I'm down on the sidelines, and and Miami wins that. game game and then everybody storms the field and I'm like okay and you just get into that situation you're constantly dodging people and then police started spraying pepper spray and I got that in my lungs oh boy yeah that's not fun. oh boy Have that was ever, not that was not a good day for me man you ever storm a court or a field as a no, fan never I did once what was it junior year of high school <laughs> Really? The Greenway Demons upset the mighty St. Mary's Knights in football. Oh, fantastic. 50 of us. When I was at U of A, Phoenix College. When I was at U of A, the basketball team obviously was always good. We never storm a court. Mm. And the football team was never good enough to beat anybody good. To do it. Right. True. Right. Coming up next, Sun's going to win over the Lakers. That's always a positive day in the Valley and the universe for that instance. But we'll get more into it in Vinny's view. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.